morning show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. So, once again, Buffalo Bills postseason ended by Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs. That's three times in recent vintage that that has happened. It's not ideal. It's not what you want. But Mm-mm. what are you going to do when Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs team just keeps making to AFC Championship games? It's yeah. six consecutive. Jason Kelsey, I think, was the social media star. For sure. Of yesterday. It incredible. And it, it was all fun and games when he was at the tailgate with the yeah. Bills fans. And, you Taking know, they're thinking. out of a bowling ball. Oh, yeah. They're like, this is going to be different, right? Like, who cares? We yeah. can we can celebrate with the guy who's clearly cheering for his brother yeah. and the other side of things. Okay, we're not afraid of this version of the mm-hmm. Chiefs. And then the there game happens. And, you know, Travis Kelsey has his first touchdown in, in, a, in a while. He has a couple. Yeah. And. <laughs> His brother's Great. stepping out of the private box. and that was uh, amazing. He broke containment. Somebody yeah. said it was like when the Velociraptors at Jurassic Park were like, oh, we can get out. Okay, good to know. Yeah, it was, uh, it was intense. And, and luckily nothing... Uh, Nothing illegal happened after that, and every, everybody, you know. He he hoisted a young fan to show her yeah. Taylor Swift. It was a scene. No, it's cute and right. Like and and I, I like moments like that in sports. But I will say that it was a dangerous situation considering how emotional I'm sure those you Bills think? fans were. <laughs> considering not just the recent playoff history no. or the franchise history, but the like week and a half that they've had as far as like so digging cold. themselves out of the snow multiple times and then digging the stadium. Uh, out of the snow, which was like one of the greatest uh, videos I've ever seen. The time mm-hmm. lapse, uh, time lapse photography. It's pretty good uh, of uh, the the fans digging themselves out of the snow uh, in Orchard Park. All right, time now for our insider. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's insider, Aditi Kinkabala, Westwood One sideline reporter for yesterday's game in Buffalo. How's it going, Aditi? Thanks for doing this. About warmed up thought out whatever the <laughs> phraseology is it was awfully windy down there on that field yeah okay so let's start there then sympathy how, for tyler bass yeah then, i obviously. was gonna say right like how much did that actually factor into it because we're not we're not <laughs> somebody needs to defend tyler bass will it be you i mean it sure looked like josh allen uh consoled him remarkably well right there and i still remember a bengals game i covered years and years ago when the kicker missed a kick in overtime and Adam Jones comes off the field saying he had one job. He just had to do his one job. So I would say that the way Josh Allen treated him was a bit better. It shouldn't have come to that. You know, the Bills were, yes, the Bills were hurt. Yes, the Bills had all these issues at linebacker. Yes, you know, the Chiefs were able to get Travis Kelsey going at least um, because of that. But everybody's hurt this time of year. And the Bills were the better team. And when they had those two third downs in that one drive, you know, they had the late flag. They seemingly had a third down stop. Then there was the late flag. So then they needed to get another third down. You just felt like, okay, here's the moment. Here's the moment where the offense, you know, takes care of what it needs to take care of. And it didn't happen. And so even though they were better, they never really just, pulled away. They never sort of created that separation. And, you know, it's funny. My analyst last night was Mike Mayock, and I believe that teams know how to win and that when you win, winning begets winning and there's an attitude about it. And I was asking him, like, do you think that that's a real thing? Because it felt to me on the sideline in the fourth quarter that, the Chiefs were like, okay, we got a close game in the fourth quarter. They're right where we want them. And the Bills, uh-oh. 
is this like, is this another here we go again? It just felt a little different. And Mayock, Mike Mayock told me, who's obviously been in football for decades, said it absolutely is a real thing because it's about the expectation of winning. When you're the Chiefs, you just expect to win. You, you know, I was there last week. It was minus 24 degrees. You go out there. So what? We're facing a team from Miami. Who cares what their offense is? We expect to win. You come here to Buffalo to build mafia. Travis Kelsey couldn't, couldn't started our interview by talking about how much he loved the fans. Even Jason, Jason Kelsey talked about the environment that Buffalo was. Those fans are honestly, if not the best, one of the top two fan bases in the entire NFL I can't tell you who the other one is right now. That environment was amazing, and you just feel awful for them, mm. terrible for them. Yeah, yesterday must have felt tropical, though, for, for those chief players who, who played yeah. at Arrowhead last <laughs> week, uh, and, you know, helmets are getting smashed in because it's minus a, a trillion. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, Bills fans hearing you say that are, like, nodding their head in agreement. I don't know how you feel any differently going forward, though, Aditi. Because, like, Patrick Mahomes isn't about to retire tomorrow. Like, he's, he's going to be in the AFC for a while, and he's always going to be the obstacle in front of you. Like, how, how do you have hope if you're a Bills fan after this season? I mean, it started weirdly, and you had to go on a six-game winning streak to even make the playoffs, but you're a two-seed, and it felt like such a diminished Chiefs team, and, and things are only going to get tougher from here as a, as a, a cap perspective um, if you're talking about the Buffalo Bills. How do, you, how do you have hope today if you're a Bills fan? I don't, you know, it's funny. I'll, I'll give you a line that Dan Campbell gave me last year. This is before they had started their run. And we have the Dolphins and we're sitting, you know, in our production meeting. And I said to Dan Campbell, I said, how do you teach a young team to win? How do you teach a team that hasn't figured out how to close out those close games, how to actually win? And he looks at me and he says, you know what Parcells used to say about teaching a team how to win? And I said, no. And he said, Parcells used to say, you teach a team how to win close games by winning close games. <laughs> and it's almost <laughs> that simple. You win one and it's like, oh, okay, we could do this. And then you win another and then you win another. And that's exactly what the Dolphins have done. If you look at their season last year, they were in a bunch of games. They couldn't get over that hump. They finally win a game and they're able to sort of start stacking those wins and rattle off a few. And with the Bills, they really... I think it's just getting over that hump. You know, and last season was such a, I don't know what the right adjective was, I, bizarre, yeah. unexpected, surreal. I, I was on the sideline for Westwood One in that Dolphins game, and it just was, they won that Dolphins game, that first round playoff game, but they were spent. They were emotionally exhausted. You could completely see it. Uh, this was different. This team didn't have that same weight. They just they had so many injuries, so many injuries at linebacker. I mean, you're playing a guy, A.J. Klein, who was supposed to be on vacation in Florida with his family, and you pull him off the couch, and you need him to be the center of your defense right there. It's a tough ask. Yeah, it's a really tough ask. I mean, it's one thing when you're uh, like a quarterback who's been sitting on the couch, but like, you know, you could sit there and watch game film. Oh, little, like Joe little, Flacco? Yeah, a little, little different <laughs> to be asked. Uh, just the go same st thing, Joe Flacco. I mean, it, the, the number came calling. We thought we were seeing Joe Flacco magic, but I, you saw what happened there. Uh, honestly, the magic only lasts so long. It really does. I'm just, I'm just thinking to myself, it's like I'm supposed to be in Florida, and all of a sudden I have to smoke a dude who's like 260 running as fast as he possibly can at me. Yeah, that sounds like the least fun job ever, but that's why I don't uh, – I, 
I don't play football. You know, when I think of the Bills, it's just so tough. Like, you know, I know we're going back to the path here, but this franchise, this fan base has sat there and they watched the the entirety of Brady. And then all of a sudden you think you get an exhale for half a second. Patrick Mahomes is here. We haven't even mentioned Joe Burrow and why would we this year? Because he's been hurt, but he's not going anywhere. He's going to come back and you throw in Lamar Jackson. This guy's going to win an MVP and it feels like we just don't talk about him. It is just incredible. The bulk of quarterback talent and these aren't all good quarterbacks these are all truly transcendent and it's just it is remarkable the dogfight that the ASC seems to be every single year and you know I don't want to take away what the 49ers have been this year or what the Eagles were at times until they fell off a cliff but man it's just it's remarkable how high a level a quarterback play you have to have to just have a chance in the AFC I mean, it's really, you've seen it. It's why a fan base like the Steelers are ready to write off a guy who's never really even gotten to operate in a good offense yet in a, someone like Kenny Pickett, a first round pick. But it's funny you say this because I literally just had this conversation with my husband before you called. And I said, you know, someone said this yesterday and it sort of is playing in my mind a little bit. What if Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes becomes our generation's Peyton Manning, Tom Brady? Like, they're both transcendent players. They're both great leaders. They both do amazing, exceptional things. But one of them, because of everything around him, just wins all the time. Mm -hmm. And the other one can't get there. My husband yelled at me and said he hated that analogy. But you know what? I'm using it on (laughs) you guys. So feel free to tell me that there is some truth to it. Hey, Josh Allen certainly has a laser rocket arm. I think you could definitely uh, say that for sure. Yeah, Yeah, and Peyton Manning wasn't. Uh, he was 30 when he when he won his first Super Bowl. So yeah, still plenty of time to get on 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 that uh, that winning path for Josh Allen. And certainly, it's like it's hard to blame him for the loss yesterday. Although, like a couple extra plays no. at the end of the game, and we're talking about a different result. We should be praising the Chiefs, though, right? It's just hard because the Bills fan base and we're proximity wise very close to Buffalo. There's lots of Bills fans in the city of Toronto, but this Chiefs team. I mean, I've been saying it all season long, despite the the regular season hiccups and and how diminished a version they look like, until I see it happen in the postseason, I'm never going to write them off. I mean, how impressive is it to go through what they did this season with the lack of, of, of certainty in that receiving core and to seemingly be back to, to a, an elite level offensively these, these first two weeks of the postseason? You know, it's, let, let me just put one little bow on the Bills real quick. Sure. I think that you should be, as a Bills fan, you should be so, so proud of what that team did from 6-6. Six and six. And, you know, making the change to Joe Brady, I think Joe Brady has been brilliant. He has been so intentional in the way the Bills run the ball. They've run the ball better, I think, than they have in the entire Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott era. The offensive line looks better, and I don't know if that's a chicken or an egg, but it's certainly they lean into being, you know, every offensive lineman would rather run the ball than pass protect, you know, move forward as opposed to stepping back. That's been really good. Uh, Brady has done such a nice job of mixing things up. Again, I'll use the same phrase, being intentional in the way that he'll show something on one drive and then all of a sudden flip the switch on the next drive. That's all been great. Josh Allen has been great. There, there are great signs. This young wide receiver, Khalil Shakir, was been you know as dependable and reliable. All of these things are good signs. And and I'll say one more thing. Stefan Diggs, I guess he's getting a little bit of heat for not talking yesterday. 
I've never seen Stefan Diggs so engaged on the sidelines. I mean, he was the guy after the first, and I said this on our broadcast yesterday, after the first Josh Allen touchdown, he was so pumped. He's talking to everybody. He's going up and down the offensive line, high-fiving everyone. In key moments in that game, it was Stefan Diggs who was gathering guys, keeping their heads in the game, giving the encouragement, saying things like, let's go. He was engaged. There was none of that diva malcontent that sort of trails a wide receiver. And I did talk to Brandon Bean about Diggs, and he said, you know, we're winning. And if his numbers were diminished and we weren't winning, then, yeah, maybe it would be a problem. But he really is all in on the team, on winning, all of this. And we saw it yesterday. It's happened all season. They've come so close to a big explosive play to Diggs, and something happens. It doesn't, you know, come through. Like, you're looking at, I don't know, 400 more yards if they have – you know, five more completions on the season. But anyway, so the Bills do have signs of hope. The Chiefs, this is what Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey do. They know how to win. They know how to take it up another level. And this Chiefs team is not the Chiefs team that we've gotten used to the last few years. This is not those explosive offenses. These are wide receivers that are not catching the ball for Patrick Mahomes. But that has made Patrick Mahomes be a different leader. You know, he's a guy, Andy Reid was telling this to us week 18, that he's seen a different side of him and that he's so good at encouraging Obviously, he's competitive. Obviously, he's frustrated. But he's staying after with these receivers. He's working with them. He's telling the receivers, we're going to change the narrative, as opposed to yelling and throwing crap and saying, why can't you find me someone who can catch the ball? And also, P.S., that defense. That defense is amazing. That secondary, Steve Spagnuolo's secondary, I don't think is getting the credit it should get for how well it has played, how well it is playing. That front is tough. Spagnolo loves mixing up pressures and disguising things. And he's got that cerebral group that really, really can do that. I mean, he runs a complicated, complex defense, and he's got players who can run it, who are smart enough to run it fast and not be bogged down by thinking. So it is funny, though, I've used this in a broadcast. I don't know if I used it week 18 or when I said it, so I'll use it now. I was asking Spags about his defense finally getting this attention and this credit because they've been good the last few years. Maybe not the number two scoring defense, but good. And he's like, no, of course, I love it. I love that our guys are getting the credit. I love that we're that good. And he goes, but I'll tell you. We like it more when the offense scores 42. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit easier, right? Like we all we all like right. to be able to walk a tightrope, but if there's a safety net underneath, it certainly makes it a, a, a lot more fun. And, you know, just uh, I won't belabor the point anymore, but just, God, I'm so upset for all of football that Diggs wasn't able to reel in that, that long shot from Allen because uh, that, I mean, you saw it, you were there. What was that like to see it in person? I cackled out loud when I saw it on my television, which is not, I don't think the appropriate reaction, but it was just my natural one. I've not... I've not seen a physical feat that impressive in, honestly, I could not tell you how long. Like, we know Josh Allen's big. We know Josh Allen's strong. I, I could not believe my eyes when I saw, saw that ball flying through the air to Diggs. That is, that I said this, uh, in my mind, that is now the new visual definition of country mile. Like, what was it like seeing that in person? I don't know how good your view was or, or if you are able to see it, but just even the reaction from the, from the crowd on that play. You know, it, it's... You hit one of those and everything changes. And um, 
it's not surprising because we know he's that talented. They and they needed to do it. That's how you keep a secondary honest, right? Like you can't keep doing the underneath dink and dunk stuff. And yeah, you're moving the chains, and that's good. But at some point, you know, the secondary plays differently if that's all you're doing. You have to challenge them that way. And just it's disappointing. There were two. There were two deep balls that were really beautiful, that were well thrown balls that really. Uh, you know, it's tough. I, I don't know. I There's also, and I think you guys know this, I'm not sure if you know this, but I live in the city of Pittsburgh. I'm married to a diehard Steelers fan who is a season ticket holder, <laughs> and my eight-year-old son is Bills Mafia all the way. He oh. decided when he was two years old, he loved the Bills, and um, I'm sad for Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott who are great people. I'm sad for Josh Allen, who I met when he was drafted. I was in Buffalo when he was drafted. Um, but I'm really sad for my son too. Oh. <laughs> you know? It's a hard lesson to learn. Yeah. yeah. I got, yeah. I got, I got, I got a kid. Who has to deal. I, I said this last night. I said this to a guy that I worked with last night. I said, Oh, I'm so sad for my son. He said, don't worry. You're just preparing him for life as a Bill fan. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Life as a sports fan in general, because it is a lot of heartbreak, but yeah, there's mm-hmm. been more than their fair share in Buffalo over the years. Uh, Aditi, this was great. Thanks so much for doing it. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, it'll be an interesting weekend coming up. I'm excited, guys. Yeah, who wouldn't be? Yeah, Can't uh, wait. It's it's hard to not be excited about it. Uh, thanks for this, Aditi. All right. Talk to you soon. Sounds good. Aditi Kinkabala, a Westwood One sideline reporter. She is our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. So, Joe Brady... He committed to the running game since taking over as OC. Yes. The running game was amazing. Mm-hmm. Certainly in the first half, it was amazing. Yep. Seems there might have been an adjustment defensively mm-hmm. by the Chiefs in the second half to make it less amazing. Um, and certainly Josh Allen was good taking what was presented to him defensively and long, drawn-out yeah. drives. He, I mean, if you want to talk about the the Bills losing it aspect of the game instead yep. of like Patrick Mahomes just plucking it away mm-hmm. from a Bills team that was two seed in the AFC. And I do. I know you do. <laughs> I mean, you would probably point to the lack of big plays. There's nothing. There's nothing going on. And the, the Chiefs have no wide receivers, but yeah, they had three passes of greater than 20 yards. Yeah, the Kelsey touchdown, the first one just completely broke containment. And yeah. Yeah, the Bills had none. They, the, uh, like Josh Allen barely completed a pass beyond 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Like there just was no attempt outside of like the digs. There was like two two really deep ball attempts and the digs one obviously stands out because it was over 60 yards in the air. But yeah. like there just, there was, there was no attempt by the Bills to go deep. And I... I mean, obviously part of the game plan and part of that is maybe limiting the turnovers from mm-hmm. Josh Allen, which they did a great job. I mean, they did fumble once, but yep. they, they didn't lose the fumble. So mission accomplished as far as not turning the ball over. But yeah, that's, there is, are, are there Bills fans in Buffalo today saying you played not to, to lose as opposed to playing to win? I think there's some element of that, but I also think that if you hit the deep shot that like quite frankly, Josh Allen did hit. It went through Stefan Diggs hands. Then we're not talking about it because that's your one play and you feel completely differently about it. They, they had their chances. You know, I referenced it right before, right before the missed field goal. It's like Josh Allen, there was a post. It was the play or two plays before that was open. He could have like, he could have hit him. He had his chances and look like yeah, the Diggs play on second down yeah, quarterbacks have missed quarterbacks have missed plays before. Like this isn't to say like Josh Allen is a proven loser because he missed that one throw, but he missed it. 
and you can put the finger at Diggs on the long one. You could point the finger at Allen on on that one. But, you know, I also think that I go back to it, and this is a conversation we've had about Allen a million times. Like, that throw he makes on the, I think it was the second touchdown in the first half, the, like, where he's cur- where he's running to his, his left, and he just uncorks a seed right at the, cor- the front corner of the end zone. It's like, that's an... In as incredible a throw as you can make in football. And to ask him to do that so many times throughout the game, like you only are going to take so many shots, especially when you're when you're running the ball the way you do. I don't have too much of a problem with the play calling. Again, if he if if Diggs just corrals that or if Allen hits Diggs, we're having a completely different conversation. Sure. It's it does place. It does feel like yeah, that's a, that's a game plan that is better employed against previous incarnations of the Chiefs where it's like, I don't want to get in a track meet with the mm-hmm. Chiefs. It's like, you kind of do want to get into a track meet with the Chiefs this year. I think their defense, though, like, it's not Doesn't so much allow they you don't want to get in a track meet with the Chiefs. It's that they can't get in a track well, meet with yeah, their defense. Yeah, and and which has been good. The way year. that we're deploying the defense, I get it. Like, the, the deep shots were few and far between to be had, and yeah. they were really effective running the ball in the first half. Like, how do you argue with yep. I mean, what were the, I mean, for the game, they were five yards a carry, right? It is just, it's so funny. It's, you know, the Chiefs, they've been what they've been, and the Bills go, all right, we're going to switch it up. We got a running game now. Chiefs go, all right, us too. We will also <laughs> run the ball. Like, it's it's just remarkable the way that the Bills, and hey, like, they are torturing themselves. We've talked about all the missed opportunities they had. The other one that I just feel like we have to bring up again is that they get that gift on the Chiefs fumbling through the back of the end zone, mm-hmm. and then they can't make anything happen on that drive. I mean, like, Jordan Poirier made a great play on the ball. I mean, no, no, it was that a was a gift, but yeah. Okay, like the gift that that it went through the back of the yeah, end zone. Sure. The turnover, great play, but the the fortuitous bounce for yeah. it to bounce, and now Belichick would tell you that's why you don't reach for the end of the end zone, and yeah. that's why you should coach the Bills, uh, to yeah. bring up your point from earlier. But, but Hardman wasn't, yeah, though. Yeah, but you cannot... You cannot have a bounce that goes your way in that in that moment and not take complete advantage of it. And they weren't able to. No, they they really weren't. And we'll we'll spend a lot of time this week talking about the AFC and NFC championship game. But I mean, we were just talking in the break because we mm. hadn't looked at the yeah. the lines for those two games, and you're trying to guess what it would mm-hmm. be. Weird. Ravens Someone at home. Do that for a pod. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in uh, the Chiefs winning their first road playoff game in the Patrick Mahomes yeah. era. It uh, seemed fine, like seemed not to phase them. The elements did not hindering uh, Patrick Mahomes in Baltimore against a Ravens team that I think like on paper, I mean, you are talking about the one and two scoring defenses yep. in the NFL. So yeah, like there's a lot to like about both defenses, mm-hmm. but like offensively, there's no comparison in the regular oh, season no. between what the Ravens did and what the Chiefs did. So on paper and, and Lamar Jackson picking up his second postseason victory and looking pretty much like the guy that we saw for 17 games during the, the regular season or close to it, um, I, I don't care, though. Like, I don't care. Like, I, <laughs> you're not. I'd love to sit here and argue with you. I feel differently, but I can't sit here and tell you you're wrong. No, because I'm not. Just quickly on the bar. Uh, they, I saw a graphic. I was watching highlights the morning after, and they just showed the quarterbacks who had two running touchdowns and two passing touchdowns in a playoff game. And it was, you know, a lot of the names you'd expect. It's Lamar Jackson. He did that on the weekend. You mm-hmm. saw it from Cam Newton. There was Otto Graham twice in the 50s. And the other guy on that list, shocked. Jay Cutler. It was just amazing. Right. I, I saw him on there and I went, wow, good for smoking Jay. Yeah. Good for him. I was Not say, who and you then think also of. two cigarettes smoked. Yeah, over the course at, of six well, like per per quarter, yeah, at least. What are you right. talking about? Uh, ahead of the uh, 2024 Rogers NHL All Star Game this year, we will be giving away family four packs of tickets to the NHL Fan Fair coming to Toronto 
February 1st through the 4th. Just listen for the daily code word in episodes of the Fan Morning Show today until January 26th and text it to 59590 to be entered for a chance to win. Today's code word is Matthews. Our next code word will be in tomorrow's episode. However, tickets to the fanfare are also available for purchase at nhl.com slash fanfare while supplies last. If you're at the fanfare, maybe you'll see our next guest. He'll be in the city of Toronto for uh, the NHL All-Star break. Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com, joins us next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Mentioned off the top of the show, I was outdoors skating, playing hockey with my mm-hmm. kids over the weekend, as were you. You were outside skating. You're going to yeah. go skating again today. I'm going to go. Getting him on the ice with his twig for the first time. He's been on the ice many times. We're going to snap that thing around. And by that, I mean try to have him not fall a bunch. That's all well and good. Doesn't look as good as it was in Jasper uh, over the weekend where, I, I don't know, I guess there's some sort of like um, shinny tournament that, that takes place. Uh, maybe it's annually, but Frank Saravelli was there. Uh, he's the president <laughs> of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com. How, how do I get invited to that thing? Bring a team. Let's go. Fan oh. 590 team next year. I, I would love to. Seems expensive a little bit, but yeah. I also it's feel... It's an unreal weekend. It's, I, it was so good. I also got to be honest. I think if uh, if Sportsnet and other fans putting together a team here, like, you know, I think Ben and I are like a ways down on the on the pecking order mm. of dudes. Like, you know, there's like nah, professional a, guys. Nah, but we can oh, make... Oh, you're we, saying kick kick like kip like kipper wouldn't play with us but it's like born we don't let him play either or we bring him as our ringer i feel like we could make at least your like ringer. the second line yeah okay i had jay Rosehill as my winger this weekend that's awesome man yeah Pretty no it, it looked like a lot of fun uh they're having a lot of fun uh in all things uh hockey in alberta i mean mostly in edmonton with the the 13 mm-hmm. consecutive wins and now Corey perry as well let's maybe start with Corey perry because in these let's. parts here a lot of people interested in acquiring the guy that they've seen a couple of times in the postseason and rent- uh, recent vintage, but last uh, Leaf fan saw him, he was actually on the losing end of a, a six-game series uh, when he was with the Lightning last postseason. Do you think that the Leafs were seriously involved in any Corey Perry discussions? Not incredibly deep as far as I could tell. I think there was some vague expressions of interest, maybe a few conversations, but the understanding I had was that two of the teams that sort of were the finalists, so to speak, were the Florida Panthers and the Edmonton Oilers. So I think he was strongly considering Florida and Edmonton, you know, at this exact moment in time, as you mentioned, 13 straight wins, kind of hard to look past that team with the top end talent they have and the opportunity that's in front of Corey Perry. Yeah. If you're uh, if you're Corey Perry, you look at that, you know, my question, I guess, uh, just to follow up on that is from a Leafs perspective, like how interested do we think they were? And, you know, I guess if it, it takes two to tango, if there wasn't much interest from Perry's perspective, I guess it doesn't matter all that much. But, you know, I wondered aloud about the possibility of the questions that would be faced, just given the uncertainty that from a public perception anyways, is still surrounding Perry, how much the team would kind of have an appetite for that. Do you think the Leafs were, were kind of intrigued and were, were pushing on that or or not so certain no I think that's probably the one thing that really held it back is more than most other teams the Leafs seem to be pretty sensitive when it comes to stuff and and particularly what market reaction might be like but I think it's been really interesting the dynamic that has sort of taken place with Perry like 
the conversation the last two weeks has really been all about where's the best hockey fit. Hasn't I haven't seen any blowback on social media. No. And I kind of made the joke publicly, like you, you guys already signed Evander Kane in, in Edmonton. What's the difference? Yeah. So if, if you have questions about Corey Perry's character, which I don't think is in the same sort of realm, he hasn't been kicked off of three teams that he's played on. You know, it's they're in a spot where they can take a chance. And I don't feel like the the Leafs have the same sort of risk profile, if that makes any sense. Yep. No, it it does. It makes a, a ton of sense. Um, another guy that I, w- I would have loved to seen in Toronto, no offense to like Sheldon Keefe, but Patrick Waugh in Toronto would have been like, oh my goodness. It would it would have been ototherworldly um and and I, I'm it just felt unholy a bit wouldn't it have though? well sure. that's why it would have been so great I would have been <laughs> sending out the wink gift left right and center we would have stolen them it would have been amazing yeah it's like when when the bills hire uh, Bill Belichick this offseason it's gonna feel like that but anyways I'm just glad that we have him back in the league like what were the list of his suitors like was this always going to happen was it a guarantee that Patrick Wall would get another shot? No, I, I think it was kind of far from a guarantee that he he acknowledged publicly in his press conference, you know, speaking about sort of how humbled he's been by this entire process that he thought with a Jack Adams and all the success that he's had in his playing career, a, a, a record in the NHL north of 500, like someone doesn't typically linger like that with his resume for 10 years almost without getting another opportunity. And the big thing that really held it up was part of it is insecurity on the part of other managers that are saying, Hey, this guy everywhere he's been has had a significant role and voice in hockey ops decisions. VP of hockey ops in, in Colorado essentially lost the power struggle with Joe Sackick as those two went back and forth, then goes right back to the Quebec league. He wins. Yes, but he's still the GM head coach. Mm. So the big thing was, Who's going to give him the chance? And it makes sense in a lot of ways that as much as people are surprised that it's Lou Lamorello, it would have to be someone that's really secure. Iron fist. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's no question about who runs the show there. And as long as Patrick Waugh is interested in just coaching, which has been the message that he's put out to teams over the last 18 months, well, then why wouldn't it work? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. It's funny. I I was thinking about this last week. I mean, uh, just the idea of him coming back, and you know, so much of not that I was saying thinking it would be here, but yeah, just so much of the talk about Keith's hot seat and everything there. I was thinking about it, and honestly, like you know, we talk a lot about growing the game, and I'm not going to sit here to tell you a coach is going to grow the game. I don't think that's the way to go about it, but. I don't know, putting a guy like Patrick Wall with a lot of opinions and and not all that shy to share them. Again, I don't think he's going to be fighting with Lou over power there, but I don't I don't see him uh, putting a muzzle on himself in these post-game interviews. Like we need in my opinion more characters in the game and quite honestly like I'm thrilled I'm thrilled he's back. I I'm with you and I can't believe that it's kind of taken this long. Be- Oh, maybe Lou cut the line. He's like, quit talking about my guy. No more talking about Patrick Waugh. It's enough of that. Uh, I'm going to talk plenty about Patrick Waugh. Yeah. And about how, yeah, he is exactly that. Great for the game. Great for the discourse. Yeah. Uh, He ends up uh, picking up his first uh, victory as head coach of the Islanders yesterday in overtime against a good Stars team. All right, we got Frank back. Yeah, you were just talking about how great it is to have Patrick Waugh giving us sound bites daily now. And then I said, Lou Lamorello, cut your line, because he's like, no, we won't. That's what I said. 
Well, everyone noted, of course, that he was fully shaved when he he showed up on the ice for morning (laughs) skate. I mean, that was a given. But uh, be who you are, which is seemingly who he's going to be. Not with a beard. Yeah, not with a beard and just just win. That's all that matters. Uh, Austin Matthews is uh, being who he is, which is a guy that scores like nightly. Uh, Not... Uh, on pace for 70 goals anymore. He's on pace for 69. But yeah, was back over 70 after the hat trick in Calgary. Um, he's he's still on pace to win. Do you keep a no- chart? Yeah, I do. Honestly, like daily, <laughs> I, I have to get the calculator out. And I, I, yeah. And I don't round up too, because that's the thing. Like you can't score, you know, 0.6 of a goal. You know, okay, maybe you round up to 70. I don't do that because that means that's, that's not actually a full how goal. pace works though. Nah, but it's, I don't like that. I round down. Okay. So that's so like 69.9. You're not calling. No, that s- no, it's not 70 because you, nice. you can't. Nice. Yeah. I think very well done. All right. Um, but yeah, he's, he's having this otherworldly goal scoring season. It feels like we're going to have the, the same conversation we had during his, his heart trophy campaign, Frank, that you and I, I mean, we went back and forth between he and, and Connor McDavid and who deserves it more. And boy, like 60 goals though. Like that's something else. Like we're going to do it again, except it's going to be 70 goals this season, but there's other things outside to just the goal scoring. They were showing a graphic yesterday about how many shots he's blocked. He's among the league leader in, in block shots among forwards. I mean, what, how do you view, and it's not too early to talk about this yet uh, because we're <laughs> past the midway point. It's all-star break is fast approaching. How do you feel about Austin Matthews' heart trophy case? So I knew this question was coming. boy. I'm standing on the pond in Jasper, and someone skates by me, and they're like, Matthews is the unquestioned heart winner this year, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> Have you seen Nathan McKinnon play this year? Or like, what's what's happening here? I mean, look, here's my biggest issue with the Hart Trophy case for Matthews as it stands right now. Where would the Leafs be without him is a totally fair question to ask. The 38 goals, ridiculous, leads the league in even strength goals, almost at 30 even strength goals for the season already. But we went through the first six to eight weeks of this season saying unquestionably that William Nylander was this team's MVP. Did we not? Yeah, no, he was incredible for the first, I mean, up until he signed the contract. So if you've got a guy that isn't, so we acknowledge that that's fact. I don't know. Unquestioned is tough. This guy started the season with back-to-back hat tricks. That's a good point by you, Ben. But but when we got to Sweden, and maybe there's some some local storylines that are tied in there, I'm in Stockholm, and everyone says universally, William Nylander, team's MVP. Okay, so. Kale McCarr, Avalanche MVP, though. So we got through that. And now if he wasn't your team's MVP through the first six to eight weeks of the year, how is he the league's MVP? That's, that's half of this, of this half of the season. Well, what, who was the Oilers MVP when they couldn't win any games and McDavid wasn't racking up points in the fashion? I'm not going to say oh, definitively. They didn't was, have one. Oh, oh okay. They had LVPs. They had LVPs. Okay, because I would think that some people would have made the case for Dreisaitl having been the – I'm not going to pretend to make mm, that well, case. Well, he wasn't great either. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. So, so they both So stunk. what I would say to that so is – So at least it would have been better off if <laughs> Nylander stunk. So we, so here's the here's how I'm not going to back myself into the McDavid and, and, and Oilers part is – I think that's a really fair question to ask. If you've had 20% of the season where your team was at the very bottom of the league, Mm -hmm. 
Does that mean that Mc, that McDavid since then has been 120% better than everyone else? Mm, he might be. I mean, he might he just may, that's, he well, might that's just the thing. be 120% better. He might better. be. That's, yeah. But right now, my vote would go to McKinnon. It's not a it's not a bad choice. So okay, let I I actually don't disagree with what you're saying right now. What do you think voters will think if they see the big sexy let's let's I don't think he's getting 70 goals. Please, Austin I mean, Matthews, go prove me wrong. I know, I know. You've told me all year I'm you crazy. Keep but... saying, well, I, I don't think you're okay. crazy not to say I mean, obviously the odds are against yeah, yeah, him yeah, scoring okay. 70, but we keep doing this. Like I, he can't keep this pace up. And he, he keeps, and the he just pace keeps up. doing it. Okay. Let's say he does a clip. Not even eclipse. He hits 70 on the nose. Do you think the voters will just see such a big, round, sexy number and say, okay, I can make a case for McKinnon, McDavid, Kucherov, Pasternak. That's what happened when he, won, when he scored 60. But we've broke the, the sound barrier with that. Like, what do you think the, the fact of a big, sexy, round number would do to the kind of voting? Like, you know, these are your peers. You can talk to these people, Frank. It's huge. I mean, it, it would be a, if he can get to 7-0... Even if he eclipses 65, it's, it's he's going to warrant significant discussion, and he should. I'm not saying that he shouldn't, but he, right now he's 21 points back of McKinnon. Mm. And I know goals should be worth more than assists, but it's not like McKinnon has been a slouch scoring. And then you look at the spot that the Avs are in, significantly better team right now than the Leafs, and they're powered almost exclusively by M McKinnon. Not to say Rantanen hasn't been good, but there's a huge drop-off between McKinnon and everyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 and I, people point to the lack of assists and yada, yada, yada. A, a great follow on Twitter, Jay Fresh, uh, at Jay Fresh Hockey, tweeted out some of the, the, the nerd stats involving Austin Matthews' five-on-five -five passing percentage numbers. Primary assists, he's at 67th percentile. Chance assists, 96th percentile. Primary shot assists, 91%. Like, he is, he is high danger passes, 95%. It's, yeah, I, 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 I think if you're you're making the argument for McKinnon, it's not against Matthews. Like, I, I think Matthews' case is, is, is pretty rock solid, and if, if you're doing the points thing, I don't, I don't think that holds water. Okay, let me throw one other thing, and this isn't to say you you must, although I'd really like you to vote Austin Matthews to, to win heart. We'll see what happens. So, wait, here. hold on. Let me, you, you asked me to get in the minds of voters. <laughs> yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's one other component to this, and I hate this notion, but okay. I can't deny that yeah, it exists. Yeah, give it to me. People are going to say, oh, well, it's just Nathan McKinnon's turn. Mm, yeah. Yeah, this is... Matthews has won one. McDavid's... Yep. It's usually how the Norris has gone, but you're right. This is very much in the cards. There's two runner-ups for McKinnon so far and another finalist. Well, and also it, going know. back to our, our, our conversations we had during that 60-goal season and comparing him to McDavid's otherworldly season and the, the career-high points that he racked up that year and talking about, hey, the, the big shiny number of 60, should a guy should be rewarded with a heart trophy for getting to that, that we did that. And maybe in retrospect, we're like, man, we didn't give McDavid his due, although, you know, he followed it up with the... I was saying that the whole time. <laughs> I know. I, I'm, that's why I'm playing to my audience here. That, that we did that, maybe we learned a lesson. It's like the Russell Westbrook and uh, James Harden MVP awards that we uh, assigned to them because of all the triple doubles are like, oh, it doesn't feel so great in retrospect. <laughs> we, we work ourselves into that every year with the Calder. Bedard, should we? I don't know. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, okay, one other thing I'll, I'll throw at you. Even strength production. I just, I look at it here, McKinnon, 29 power play points. I'm not going to kill a guy for scoring on the power play. You're supposed to do it. Oh, I, no, 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 no. You're not going to do that. No, no, here's what I'm going to say is, what do you make of the fact that, like, take it away from the MVP discussion for a second. What do you make of the fact that as far as, like, elite goal scorers go, Matthews has, you know, you look at a guy like Reiner. He's got 16 of his goals on the power play. Matthews has nine of them. He has just six power play assists. What do you make of the fact his that he just... His career high is 16 in a yeah, season. What do you make of the fact that he just does so much of his damage at, at, at five on five and what that says about him or maybe what it says about the Leafs power play? Well, we can get into the Leafs power play another time. I think when it comes to Matthews, and I, I pointed out when talking about his season that he does lead the league in even strength. Goal. Like the fact that he almost has 30 and we're barely at the halfway point of the season is insane. Mm-hmm. I think it speaks to his value because look, I, I don't think anyone should knock the power plank points. That, 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 that's an argument that doesn't hold weight for me because they count just the same. Like if you're gonna say, oh, Dry or or the Oilers, power play merchants, whatever they were being called last year, like mm-hmm. last time I checked, you can still win by just scoring on the power play. But when you can do it at even strength to me, like straight up five on five, like that to me speaks to how important you are to your team's overall success because the vast majority of the game is played at even strength. Yep. And it's a more reliable way to score because, like, yeah, I mean, you're going to generally, if you're not the Leafs, you get lots of power play opportunities in hockey games, but you still do have to rely on the the officials to to put you on the power play. So, yeah, five on five, uh, that's how the, the game naturally is. Anywho, mm-hmm. can't wait for more discussions like this going forward, Frank. We're gonna- <laughs> Thank you. It's January. <laughs> so what? We're going to do this every week? No, not every week. No, I think we'll every alternate. Week. It'll be yeah. Leafs crisis, but they won last night. So yeah. maybe next week we'll do Leafs crisis. So wait till we get to March, and then we'll do it every week, twice mm-hmm. a week. Yep. Or six oh, well, times Well, ben, ben will be trying to uh, stoke the fires of doom and gloom of the Leafs missing the playoffs at that point in time. Well, so I mean, if, every week. if they're battling for a playoff spot in March, yeah, I will. Because <laughs> yeah, I won't be. No, it's not okay. going to be an issue. All right. Either way. All right. Uh, Frank, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks, buddy. Have have a great week, guys. You too. Uh, Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com. That's it. Like, yeah, you don't throw your power play goals out. Like, mm. boy, the Leafs could really use a few more. Yeah, it'd be nice, actually. It's it's like yeah, the special teams are part of hockey. They right? are. Like, people get upset. Ah, too many penalties called. It's like... The game is not supposed to be 60 minutes of five-on-five. Five. It really isn't. Yeah. Should be a lot of five-on-five, uh, five, though. Okay. It should. And there are certain games where the whistle is – is there's, there's too many stoppages and plays and, and, and too many power plays, but that's a part of the game. Yep. But to my point, mm-hmm. it's the most reliable way to score. If you can create at five-on-five, five, that's the thing that you know you're going to get during yep. the game. This is true. If you're the Leafs, again – you, you're not sure if you're going to get a power play opportunity. And maybe if you are, it's one. Or at most two. Okay? Yep. This I don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we do not have enough time left in the show for you, you to You know you're going to get 45 to 50 minutes of five-on-five five play throughout yep. the course of a game. And and Austin Matthews' five-on-five five scoring since he entered the National Hockey League is mm-hmm. not close. No. Like how He's much better than everybody else he is. It's unbelievable. Yeah. He is the guy. But I think the flip side of it is also true that – 
so long as the least penalty kill looks the way it does, you're going to need some power play goals in the playoffs. Cause guess what? Like we all, we, we can talk about NHL officiating on any given basis. I could do seven hour show on it. We know what's going to happen in the playoffs. Those penalties are going to be pretty even unless mm. you're out there committing ax murder and go ask Florida Panthers. You commit a little ax murder and they ain't going to call it every, mm. every single just a time. A little bit of axe just murder. A, just a, some just light a touch of ax. Just murdering. a light little, not even, not even a full ax, maybe a pickaxe murder. Mm. It feels like it'd be worse actually. Mm. Now that I, now that I think, about it blunt force okay we can move on the that's what i look at though is that you're going to you're going to have to kill some penalties in the playoffs and this group hasn't proven capable of doing that and if you're going to do that then you're going to have to find ways to score so i'm not going to sit here and knock austin matthews for only having nine power play goals but somebody else on the team's allowed to shoot it in the net on the power play too mm-hmm. it's like uh, he leads you at even strength i know typically that guy will also lead on the power play mm-hmm. he could get a little help there and it goes back to what i was talking about about the leafs not having a set it's not that they don't have a set system or they don't have a set plan of what they want to do, but there's not that one guy that it all kind of radiates from the way you think of elite power plays. And the, the you know the Oilers have two of them, McDavid and Drysaddle, and they're able mm-hmm. to make it work. The Leafs, in theory, should have two of them, in Marner and in Matthews, because Matthews, to your point, he doesn't necessarily have it wind up in the back of the net, but I don't think he's a bad passer. I think he's pretty capable in that regard, quite, yep. quite frankly. So it, that's the frustrating part about me with the power play. We haven't talked about uh, the fact that Ryan Reeves is sad. Luke oh, Fox did, did a little exclusive yeah, with you're right, Ryan Reeves. He's sad. Yeah, I mean that—that that is what so the money's for. Like so he's sad, he's sad because he was asked the question whether he's sad. He's yeah, not yeah. like no, he didn't coming out and saying like, "Listen, Luke, I'm sad." Come here, Luke. I yeah, need to tell you. Put me back in the lineup because I'm sad. No, that is what the money's for, and he's 37 years old, and when he was on the ice, he was not just ineffective. Like, he was actively hurting the Maple Leafs' chances of winning hockey even, games. Even when he would just change, it would, like, be through osmosis. The puck would just enter a portal and go yeah. into the Leafs' net. And, he, yeah, again, that's what the money's for. I mean, mm. Leafs had to, to pony up 1.35 over three years mm-hmm. to get a 37-year-old one-dimensional Great. hockey player I thought the most interesting thing that came out of that, again, like uh, exclusive from Luke Fox, was that I didn't even realize that he was not yet activated off LTIR. No, why, was, why would they? I, I guess, but like I'm pretty sure there is a rule. And goodness gracious, the other 31 franchise in the NHL, perhaps upon reading Luke Fox and the, the public mm. comments made by Ryan Reeves, are like, excuse me? There is a rule, like, if you are healthy, like, you have to be activated off LTIR and have your, your actually, 1.35 uh, count against the cap again. I actually don't think that's true because I watched Nikita Kucherov skating <laughs> no, for a month before the playoffs, and then they won the cup. Yeah. So if the Leafs are, if the league is going to get, again, like, if the mm. league wants to just put its cards on the, sa- the, the table and say the Leafs are the most important and we police them in a way we would never police anybody else but isn't that the truth well i i do think that's actually the truth so it's a good job by them proving me wrong (laughs) in this very one instance but yeah if i'm another team i'm sitting there looking at it going ah this is chicanery and guess what if i am a hockey fan i say agreed ltir is chicanery why don't we get rid of this dumb cap but that's never happened it's so fun because all right Leafs in a in an alternate reality yeah. where they're racking up points and yeah, like yeah. the separation between them and the 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 playoff demarcation mm-hmm. line is is different yep. and it's hey there's no like fire Sheldon Keefe conversation mm-hmm. which was pretty prevalent the yeah. last week you you're maybe throwing Ryan Reeves a bone getting him into a hockey game right yep it's just, you, you you can't afford to do that right now you're trying oh. to win hockey games immediately there is there is no secondary objective here there's no like Hey, Nick Robertson, can you thrive in a more expanded role right now? No. It's Austin Matthews. Can you play 25 minutes Just a game for going. us? Go again. 
Again. Again. Well, Again. And you saw that yesterday, even against on the back end of back-to-backs against yeah. the Seattle Kraken. It's like double-shifting Austin Matthews time. Yeah, it was basically that scene from Miracle with them just doing the bags. Again! <laughs> Again! That was Keith on the bench uh, to, to Matthews. Yeah, you're right. I mean, on a, in a different world, maybe. But it's not a different world. It's yeah. the one we're living in. And I'm not as worried about the playoffs, but they should be treating it like they are sure. because they need to pick up the points. Well, and I th- I think in signing Ryan Reeves to that three-year contract, it was that's a regular season move because we've done the Kyle Clifford, oh, we've yeah. done the Wayne Simmons yeah. postseason thing. Like oh, that, yeah. That's not happening again. No. I mean, maybe he's great in the bus, in the, in the plane. Yeah. Yes. Good DJ. Anywho. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Yes, we will. This has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 Fan. Good morning. Good morning.